0: Welcome to the Eastern Current Saltwater Fishing Podcast presented by Outdoors by Owner. OBO helps the outdoorsmen find the perfect home to rent for their next outdoor pursuit. Whether you're looking for a house right on the shallow water flats of Florida Bay with a world-class site fishing right out your back door, or you want to find a weekend mountain getaway for you and your family, OBO has the house for you. To check out all their incredible properties, visit go-obo.com. On today's podcast, Captain Mike, Captain Steve, and I discuss marine electronics with a heavy focus on how to read and understand your side scan and down scan, as well as how to get the most out of your fish finder unit. This episode is chock full of great info, and I can go ahead and promise you will learn something. Hope everyone enjoys. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Eastern Current on Patreon. There you'll be able to find our weekly ramp talk podcast where my guide buddies and I discuss our day-to-day fishing on the way to the boat ramp in the morning. I've teamed up with Florida Fishing Products to outfit my guide service with their spinning reels, braided line, and fluorocarbon leader, and I'm looking forward to giving you some real-world feedback on their gear. I've been enjoying their Osprey CE for all my light tackle, redfish, and speckled trout, and Resolute for my beefier setups for big reds, cobia, tarpon, and jacks. I'm looking forward to helping further their mission to equip anglers to fish better, which couldn't align closer with our values here at Eastern Current. Be sure to check out their website, floridafishingproducts.com, or ask about them at your local tackle shop. Temple Fork Outfitters is the rod of choice for all of us here at Eastern Current. Whether we're fly fishing for shallow water redfish, sight casting to cobia from a tower, or dropping live pinfish to grouper in 100 feet of water, they have the rod for the job. Their customer service is unmatched by any rod company out there, and their rods can take the beating of everyday guide use without any issues. My favorite rod for redfish and speckled trout is their 7-foot medium light tactical inshore spin rod. Be sure to check out their website, tforods.com. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another Eastern Current episode. Uh, we got Steve Griffin from Griffin's Guide Service up in Maryland on with us. We got Mike from here in Wilmington, and myself from here in Wilmington. And today, we're going to discuss uh, our, you know, just differences and uses for marine electronics. Mostly talking. I mean, we'll get into a little bit of everything, but a lot of talking about you know graphs and and down scan and side scan and live target and live view and all the different options for sonar nowadays and and how people are using that. And we'll also talk about, you know, the mapping portions of those, those graphs, but I think more importantly, the fish finder aspect. So got some, uh, we got, I'm sure we've got a bunch of different opinions on this and maybe not a bunch of different opinions. I think they'll be pretty same opinions, but a lot of different uses for each one of us of how we've, how we've used our electronics. So guys, how y'all, how y'all doing? Thanks for hopping on.
1: Yeah,
2: man. Thanks for having me. Good, man. Yeah. Thank you. This, sounds, this is going to be a good time.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I saw that you did a, you've done some courses up there, maybe at tackle shops, Steve, of, of some different, uh, yeah, I've, done,
2: I've done, I've done several, um, seminars here lately in kind of our off season, even though we've been fishing pretty much the whole time, but, um, and electronics is always a topic I hit on every seminar cause it's so big and, and we really fish a lot with electronics on the Chesapeake. Um, but I've also been doing private training lessons um, and also group sessions on my boat for electronics and how to really dial them in and and uh, use them. and It's it's amazing to see how many people have like really nice setups, but just don't use them at all to their ability. and uh, And yeah, it's it's been very rewarding to see see people's faces light up when they're like, "How did you do that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh,
0: that's that's very true, man. I feel like even myself, there's a lot I don't tap into on my on my unit, and uh, I, I'm, I'm a big Lowrance fan, and it's a pretty Lowrance I like so much because it's really intuitive. Like you can kind of just open it up and quickly understand how to get around on it. Um, yep. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't don't use them to their full advantage. I think one of the big reasons for that too is because you know we forget to look at them when we're actually in fish. You know what I'm saying? Like to learn, you can learn so much from that. I feel like it's just a lack of confidence of like, what am I really looking at? Do I even know that the settings are right? And like, what's this, I think one of the biggest confusing things to a lot of people is like, what does a certain size fish or certain type of fish look like on the graph? So like someone rolls up to, you know, I'm looking at down scan or side scan and people can see fish on there, but they've never referenced that. So they don't know like, what the different size would be, like they might think a, a small mullet is a redfish, you know, uh, or yep. vice versa. and so I feel like that's just learning your unit Mike what what do you what what's kind of your take on uh, you know one of the maybe one of the struggles that people have with their electronics?
1: Um, I think you hit it on the head there, but I know like for me personally, I've used a lot more um used a lot more for like bottom fishing. And just seeing what the bottom looks like when you're out grouper fishing or something like that, trying to find live bottom or harder bottom, um, something that's got, you know, some grass on it or coral or whatever. Just seeing what those ledges and different things look like and how they show up. Um, I know for me, starting into it, you know, I always left it on full screen and really learning and taking the time to do bottom lock and different things like that. And just zooming in on that bottom 10 feet shows up so much more detail. Than what you see when you have like the full water column, which, yeah, you're going to miss your amber jacks and things like that, or bait clouds further off the bottom, they're not going to show on the screen. But if you're really targeting those bottom fish, having that and seeing that detail makes a huge world of difference. And positioning yourself, I think that's the other thing that a lot of people don't get between graphing and seeing what the bottom looks like. And putting that together with your chart, even though they're side by side and you can click and figure out exactly where that waypoint is. But noting or figuring out exactly how to set up on that point with, you know, either current or the wind or whatever it is and being in the right spot around it. So,
0: yeah, that's super true. It's uh
1: it, the marine
0: electronics are There's, like we said at the beginning, there's so much in them that we'll never probably get out of it. But I'd be lying to, I mean, I feel like you, Steve, you use your electronics way more than Mike and I. Mm -hmm. Um, Your fishery, you know, you have a lot of fish in deeper water, which makes it, you know, Mike and I could go a whole week or two without ever even having to turn ours on sometimes over in the skiff. Um, What would you say are are some of the biggest benefits (coughs) and biggest uses that you have up there on the bay for your style of fishing with your electronics, whether it be, you know, what it, whatever type of scan you're using, down scan, side scan, whatever,
2: uh, and anything else in that realm. So I think side scan is my, my biggest weapon when it comes to finding fish um, and I'm using it in deep water, shallow water. I mean, I can scan out a hundred feet in um, you know, two, three feet of water and find, you know, fish swimming by or find structure I use it a lot to find structure that you know you normally wouldn't see. We can't always see through the water in the Chesapeake, so um, being able to see through the water with a good side imaging is key. Um, and then on the other hand, I mean this this winter um, or spring in March, we were we were targeting migratory stripers, and they're kind of they're not schooled up. So if you see a group of three or four, that's something pretty epic. And, um, I was using my side imaging to scan channels and we were literally fishing for one fish, basically sight casting one big striper with side imaging. Um, and you know, that way you can find bait, you can find, you know, good life. But, um, to me, that's the game changer. Um, there's some more stuff coming out, which I'm sure we'll get into later. or That's been out that I think will help. But one thing I couldn't go without is, is a good side imaging.
0: Yeah, it's like it gives you a larger scope to, to view. The down scan, you, you, get, a, you get a picture, but it, with the side scan, you're just getting so much. I mean, it's like, it's like down scan for a 200-foot wide boat, if you will, like a 200-foot wide transducer. <laughs>
2: so so when, I'm, when I'm fishing for redfish in the summer and we're looking for those big giant schools in open water, I'm running 300 feet on either side of the boat. So that's 600 feet. I would go to say that's almost 600 times, you know, the scannability or, or range right. that you have with just a regular down imaging. It's a huge advantage.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I've never had mine outside of like 120, but I'm, I'm usually always using it in like, you know, five to 12 feet of water tops. So I know yeah. in the deeper water and in the ocean, I flipped it out to, you know, 200 or so, well, maybe 150, but. Um, I think I think really realistically around 120. But wh- what what type of depth do you feel like you need for that that type of side scan to look out that far?
2: Um, 20 or more usually. Um, and I really only do that if I'm looking for, you know, you could do it if you're looking for a big pot of bait. Yeah. Um, or I'm looking for a giant school of thousand red. Right, know, right. He's going to show up. 40, you're not looking
0: for a single redfish.
2: You're going to see. It's going to look like shoreline. You know. Right. You're not going to miss it, and that's that's why I'm able to run it so far out confidently. If I was looking for just a couple fish here or there, um, it'd be tough that far out. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. I've I've never looked. I don't think I've looked at um, something that large on side scan but even just like a dolphin at a hundred feet, like you can tell it's a dolphin. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty crazy. And there is some tuning, but a lot of, I mean, I feel like the early on side scan that you'd get, you'd really have to kind of play around with on your unit, but straight off the shelf nowadays, like you're going to get a pretty good image of, you know, of what it is and, you know, changing the frequency a little bit maybe, but, but a pretty darn good image right out of the box with, um, your side scan nowadays and, um, it, it what do you and and when you play with it more, you'll definitely find some different stuff. But what do y'all got? What do y'all enjoy as far as like your settings on your side scan for your units? Go
1: ahead, say, Mike. Okay. Um, honestly, I don't even whatever it is is what I use. I I really haven't played around with my side scan a ton. Yeah. You know, most of the time he's a right out of the box guy. Yeah, I mean, well let's see until last year, I didn't even have side scan or down scan on my boat. So I'm, I'm kind of new to this game. Like we said, you know, we're typically not even using, um, these kind of electronics in our skiffs and stuff. So I'm just not playing around with it a whole lot, but over the past year, I've really been using it to more look at bottom structure to see if, you know, there's oyster beds or some kind of shell on the bottom. If it's just straight mud, that kind of thing. And I found a lot of new trout spots doing it. Um, And then once we get further up the river and stuff during different times of the year into the fall and stuff, you know, really using it to pick up on rocks or little pieces of wood and that kind of stuff. That's that little bit of structure that's out off the banks that you're not going to normally see just unless you ran right over top of it. There's
0: so much to learn from your side scan, too. And like, I think one of the biggest things is. Whenever I'm idling around or, or even when you're not, just even taking a trip to do this, but go idle past things that you know what they are underwater okay. and then look at it on your side scan. And then you can really start to put those pieces together of like, um, you know, what's what and understand how it registers on the side scan. If you really know like, all right, there's a ton of tires on the ground over here to the right, you can idle past that and pick those up or, you know, rip-rap or rock rock edges or, jet or jetties. Like, we have a lot of bulkhead here where you can see the bulkhead really well underwater. Um, but another thing, too, is you really don't want to play with the settings until, you, same deal, until you're looking at something that you know what it is underwater because then, it, again, it helps you understand a little bit more. What about, what about you, Steve?
2: I am the complete opposite. If I – I'd probably tune my settings – I'm crazy. Um, you know, 20 to 50 times a trip. Wow. And I'm not kidding. Um, and, but you hit it on the head is you can't tune your settings until you have something you, a target. Right. right. So, so when, if you're in fish or a school of fish, it's time to put your rod down. If you're the captain or you want your settings to look right, time to put your rod down and, and really make that look good. Um, and it's really, it's easy. Um, side imaging, it's really, you know, obviously range. If you're going, if it's turning black, you know, halfway out, you need to bring your range in. Yeah. Right. You just don't have enough. So that's a waste of screen, but, um, contrast and sensitivity is really all it is. And all you do is you get a target. You can stop your screen and dial each of those, uh, settings back and forth until you get a really good picture. And then, so the, I changed my settings for depth, bottom density, um, and also whatever I'm looking for and water clarity. You know, if you've yeah. got, if you've got clean water, you don't have to run it as hard and, and have it turned up as high. But yeah, I, I really do. Cause I, I lean so hard on my side imaging. I want it to always be. Giving you the top. best it can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. I but mean, um, we were, we were, uh, when you're with someone like Steve fishing that knows their electronics so well, like when we were up there filming that time, catching the stripers, like if he wasn't confident in what he was saying on the bottom, like everyone very quickly lost all confidence to be fishing. (laughs) And then, then then the screen would light up and, and, or you would say something or, and and bam, we were in the fishing. And so it was, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy how effective they can be when you understand them.
1: And then yeah, I mean, go ahead, Steve. Certain,
2: certain times of, of year, like before fishing in deeper water, I don't have lines in the water unless I see fish. I'm that confident in it. You know, if I'm fishing structure in the shallows, which I love to do, um, yeah, we're going to fish structure because you might not see that fish over there hiding behind the branch or or, or, uh, rocks or anything like that. But deep water, yeah, we're not even going to waste our time until I see fish.
0: Yeah, definitely. If I'm fishing a jig, you can bet it's going to be an eye strike Texas eye. Dave and Ralph at iStrike have built the most versatile and durable lineup of jigs in the saltwater industry. Whether you need a finesse presentation on spooky wintertime redfish, or you need to hop a big swim bait on deep water structure for cobia and bull redfish, iStrike has the jig for you. Be sure to check out their website and use code EC10 for up to 40% off all iStrike products and 10% off all Z-Man products. The code can only be used at iStrikeFishing.com, and you can find the code and the link to their website in the podcast show notes. There is no stealthier platform to fish the shallow water flats, creeks, and marshes than a pedal drive kayak. The P-127 from Bonafide is my choice when I want to get out on a solo trip and access the areas that I can't get to on a flat skiff or a bay boat. It happens far too often in a boat where I have redfish and plenty of water in the back of a creek or bay, but there's a sandbar or series of sandbars between me and the fish and I just can't quite make it to casting distance. But with a kayak, I can drag across the sandbar right to them. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Bonafide kayaks on the website or at Hook, Line, and Paddle here in Wilmington. I will have a link to the Bonafide website in the show notes as well. do you have much other stuff up that way in the river that marks that looks good? That's not like in our river in deep water. We've got so many gar, they mark beautifully, but it's like, they, they mean nothing. If you, if they were the stripers that were targeting our river, it'd be like a hundred thousand on a ledge. It looks like, I mean, so many marks.
2: <laughs> we, um, I mean, we have catfish. Yeah. And typically I'm not in those areas where I'm going to mark a ton of catfish and and accidentally fish on catfish, but I can typically, you know, typically know what you're looking at. Yeah, at least I do. That's sweet. That's uh,
0: that's uh, I still I'm sure those are gar. Yeah, <laughs> all those marks, they've got to be. <laughs> we were, me and Mike, this winter, were like, I, I know we know they're gar, but let's just try to catch something. Let's try to, and, and we were like slip floating shrimp at like 40 feet deep. Just to try to get a bite, <laughs> and uh, and and never did. So they could be stripers, but whatever they are, they don't want to eat. Nope, that's the truth. Um, what are some other? So so down when you're on the fish, do you come off side scan as far as fishing vertically, and and just flip no. over to down scan, but you keep them both running. You got two screens, right? I have
2: three screens. Three screens. Okay, oh. so yeah, you're you're totally cheating. <laughs> i'm i'm like i'm like in a spaceship on my boat but yeah. uh now i've got i run three screens and um typically have you know my chart on one so i can check my ledges and, and all that um my next screen i have my through hull 2d regular 2d traditional sonar <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh i have a hummingbird so those are Garmin's, and then i run a hummingbird for my uh for my side imaging and that is either always just full screen side imaging, or sometimes I'll run the, uh, you know, split screen with side imaging. Um, the 2d sonar off of that transducer, yeah, which has a little bit wider cone and I can set that to be a little more sensitive. And then also the, uh, <clears throat> the HD, um, down imaging and I use it all. And especially in deep water, just cause you have them under the boat. I use my side imaging to tell my clients which side of the boat to cast on. Yeah. Where's they might be under the, they might be under the boat, but they might not be, you know, too far to the right or too far or starboard, you know? Right. And I can also tell right. that way, which way those fish are drifting or which way we're drifting. Um, and which way the fish are headed to. Gotcha.
0: <clears throat> that totally makes sense.
2: So we can sort of. Predicts, you know if we see that they're we're losing them on the port side i'll say let's cast the starboard that way we got them a little bit longer a little bit longer chance to uh stick them
0: yeah that's super cool what do you feel like our bet our most you know usable fish besides stripers let's just talk about it because people target stripers here but where we are it's a lot more redfish speckled trout flounder mm-hmm. uh what do you feel like is the most <clears throat> fishable inshore because of a unit because of side scan and down scan, like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, Michael, that was, sorry, I was asking Michael. Michael, y'all are both, I think, confused at who I was talking to.
1: Um, I feel like probably trout are. Yeah. Um, just you know, they're a, they're normally suspended somewhere. B, and I don't know. You could probably speak a little better to this, Steve, but I feel like they mark better than a lot of other fish, just with their air bladder and kind of their shape and stuff. Um, they seem like they show up a little bit more crisp or clear on side scan um, so I feel like that's probably the number one target outside of stripers that people at least in our area are using it for so
0: yeah, yeah i, I I'm sorry go ahead Steve
2: I, I see trout pretty well yeah. when they're screwed up
0: that was crazy. We were, I think it was two trips ago to Newbern, and we were mm-hmm. looking at the graph, and we came around that point, and you, me, and Matthew were like, God, that's a lot of fish. It was all trout. I mean, there's a few stripers in there, but – and they were mm-hmm. smaller trout too, but they were still marking really well. They were 15- really well. to 17-inch trout, um, maybe even a few smaller than that, but they marked great because they were in the right depth and, mm-hmm. and just in a good spot re- over mud. I mean, it was just like or mud or sand bottom, oh. and they popped for sure. I uh, I feel
1: like man, I- probably my number one thing that I use it for even more than striper, because we fish so much structure for striper, but just being able to look at channel swings and channel edges and see, all right, yep, there's some structure there, oh, there's the fish that's popping on top of it or, you know, a certain type of bottom or something where they're hanging out at. For sure. What were you saying, Steve?
2: I was going to say, I could really go for some of those big piles of trout right now, (laughs) because we're, uh, we can't target, legally target stripers in Maryland right now, so, uh, even though striper fishing is epic to the point where trout fishing is tough right because you can't catch anything but stripers but um yeah how how long is the season closed for again it opens up in on may 1st
0: gotcha Um, and it started when
2: so the entire month of april we have a no no target for stripers
0: yep that's crazy crazy crazy
2: target is target is air quotes right right right
0: right. (laughs) it's uh you know striper fishing trout fishing i feel like
2: you're going to bump into both
0: in very similar areas
2: you can't pick what what eats your lure especially when they all hang out in the same area right
0: for sure for sure the uh the speckled trout when does that really kick off up there for y'all when do y'all start to see fish migrating back into that area
2: we are seeing um just this last week and a half we started picking up some trout and um I haven't been doing a whole lot of fishing just because I don't want to sort of get myself in trouble. Um, I'll take this time before everything gets crazy um, for the rest of the year, taking this time. We did a vacation down to the Keys, but just this last last week and a half, um, everybody's starting to pick up some nice trout. Um, Buddy of mine just got like a nice 27-inch trout the other day. He's He's getting like one or two a trip. Nice.
0: Thank you.
2: So. Eventually, you know, June, July is fire. Um, May is pretty good. But up my way, I'm so far up the bay, um, June and July, I mean, we can actually really, really go out and say, we're going to go catch a bunch of trout. Yeah.
0: It's crazy because you're really at like the the northern reach of speckled trout and the southern reach of the migratory mass of striper. I mean, not the full southern reach, but, but not far
2: from it. yeah the majority of them come in here right Right. it's uh it's the chesapeake it's incredible it really really is you always i I hear you say this almost every podcast but the grass always seems greener right right (laughs) but uh but i really i really am fortunate to have the fishery we have here we we get it all the fun stuff yeah
0: y'all do get some cool fish for sure and and uh I'm just jealous of of the amount of fish that you have in deeper water that you can use your electronics with. But again, Mm -hmm. grass is always greener. Some people really want to be shallow. I mean, I love shallow water sight fishing, but I also just like both aspects of the hunt and that hunting for them with the electronics and then hunting for them with my eyes. Obviously, if I could if I could do something to maybe see the bottom in forty feet of water with my eyes, I would probably do that. But I don't I don't know what what kind of technology that'll be or if it'll be safe when it does happen. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's just a cool way, especially if you've already got a. So many boats now are coming with they the You know, it used to you'd have to go buy like an after it'd be like buying a new head unit for your vehicle, uh, if you will, right. to, to get side scan. But now if like you go buy. Pretty a pretty generic boat off the lot a lot of times they might not have the correct transducer but you already have the graph for it and you can just buy a transducer and pop it on and uh, and be able to do you know your side scan and your down your you know HD down scan and all the new stuff and now the what is it the newest one's live target so live you know a lot of people are using it forward facing but um, you're that's actually watching a video of what's happening underneath there
2: mm-hmm. so, so that's what I'm I'm uh, I've got kind of in my crosshairs, I would love to have, especially when I'm going for the redfish, I'd love to have 360 because when we're hooked up, right, you can't really do anything. Everybody's fighting a 40, 50-inch redfish. Right. But I want to know which way that school is going. And um, i actually been talking with the guys at Hummingbird, and they don't have a very good application and mounting for 360 in a saltwater application. Right. Mm-hmm. So our saltwater trolling motors don't work with it. It only works on the, uh, freshwater trolling motors.
0: It's going to always um, have to be like a Bluetooth transducer for, for the saltwater right. trolling
2: motor. Like, like to like press a button and it deploys. Right. <laughs> I right mean, exactly. But, uh, I, I mean, that's gotta be coming, right. That's gotta be coming. Just like those, uh, the Omni son- sonar those guys are using out offshore. Yeah. Um, It's the same thing, but the forward facing, I mean, that, that almost gives you 360, right? Because you're able to see in front of you, you're able to see beside you, and you already know what's behind you because you, you're moving forward. Right, right. So so I'm thinking that might be the next toy I put on my boat. um, Just so, you know, you can see, really see as you're approaching fish where they're at and not have to run them over before you can catch
0: them. Yeah, for sure. I just saw Jod Owens, he's a captain here. He just – I'm sure – you probably have known about this, or this is what you're talking about, but he just put forward-facing sonar mounted on his transom but on a bracket that kind of helps it face forward. Um, Yep. And so – and I've seen guys who mount a pole off the side of their boat that they can just turn by hand and whatnot. But, yeah, I think that's huge, man, being able to see those fish. A lot of times when we bump into big groups in the ocean – um, we'll take turns, you know, for that reason. One, let's say me and Mike are on two separate boats and we're on a big group of redfish. You know, Mike and his guys will throw in, hook the fish, and we'll follow the fish and follow them and follow them and follow them until they've landed their fish. Then they can run back over. We'll ca- we'll cast into the group of fish and follow them, follow them, follow them, follow them and, and for that same reason. But yeah, I mean, I, with, with the... 360, or being able to turn it around and follow that group of fish, even if why while they're fighting their fish, you can use your motor and turn the whole boat a little bit while the fish are pulled yeah. out on drag, and kind of like you said, just get an idea of which way they're going, because then you can go sweep with your side scan again and find them again.
2: It's funny you say that that you guys work as a team like that because that's what I mean. Not many people know this yet, but you know, I I picked up a second boat. We're running a second boat this year, and um, some of you know Drew. I know you guys know Drew. Mm -hmm. But Drew's going to be running the same boat. And that is, like, that's the game plan, is to just leapfrog on, uh, you know, redfish or schools of fish. Definitely. And and because by the time you get those big fish in the boat, you can lose them very easily. They travel so fast. Yeah. If you can leapfrog those fish like you guys are talking about, it's a big advantage, especially when, you, you know, both boats are equipped with good sonar.
1: Right, for mm -hmm. sure for sure. I, that brings up a point I wanted to ask you earlier, but I didn't know if you had let the cat out of the bag yet or not, but are you going to set up your second boat the same way you did with the first or you've got any tweaks or anything different that you got on the second boat now? And who's going to yeah. run the
0: second one? Are you, are you running the same boat you've always ran or are you taking grasp of the newest?
2: Yeah. So, so they heard it here first. Cast out of the bag. Now, <laughs> whenever this <laughs> podcast there. <laughs> but, uh,
0: it'll be this um, evening. Cause I'm behind this week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, it, uh, it, I am planning on, and I actually am ordering the, almost the exact same thing. I'm getting a newer setup. So the boat's already set up with Garmin and the same, same through-haul airmark transducer. Um, but I'm going with Hummingbird again for side imaging. So I'm ordering all that. Um, I have Solixes, which is, huh. um, a little bit older unit on my current boat. Um, and then Apexes are going to go in the new boat. Gotcha. Just not necessarily because they're that much better, I think, but more because that's what's available. Um, right, right. And whatnot. it has more ports. So I run, I'm connecting all my trolling motors, and everything's linked to, to that. So there's a lot more uh, Ethernet ports on the Apex. So it makes it easier. But, um, yeah, they're going to be set up almost – identical pretty much identical um and hopefully they hopefully this new one works as good as the the other one and the dialed in so it's dialed in and then the new one's going to be dialed in too um so both those boats should be pretty epic i'm going to be running the new boat drew's going to run the one you guys were on thank you okay. Sweet. and what what is it 28 foot yeah it's a um 28 foot Sea Hunter Floridian, sweet. Um, and they're both they're both 2019s. One of them has Yamaha 300s on it, and the other one has uh, Twin Merc 300 V8. Heck yeah! I'm actually actually, yeah, you know, I've always been a Yamaha fan, but the Mercs are are pretty good. I've, I haven't I don't have a whole lot of time on the boat yet, but uh, it's been great.
0: Heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Mercury had a bad rep for a little bit, and and now all those motors are pretty. Seems like have pretty good track records on all the newer stuff.
2: No. Yeah, I think the V eight. I talked to a couple, a couple uh, of the good mechanics around here, and they they said they they have no problems with the big V eight. So,
0: yeah, Mike. I am curious if if it didn't cost you a penny and it didn't affect you know how you could already use your boat your your skiff or whatnot, would you would do you feel like you would uh, you know it would be effective and useful to have. 360 or live view or live scope or whatever on your on your boat would you use that would you find beneficial
1: Yeah for sure um I think having forward facing sonar would be awesome if you could do it um with a good saltwater application mainly because seeing how fish set up on a certain area a lot of time especially when we're trout fishing in the fall time you know I feel like I pull up to a spot and one day I hit it on the money and the next day I, I missed the mark. You know, yeah. I might have to spend five, ten minutes fishing here and I'm like, man, I'm not getting a bite. What, you know, what's going on? Well, the fish, you know, maybe the tide's three inches lower or something different. You know, something's just slightly off from the day before and those fish are just sitting slightly in a different spot. And, you know, a lot of times you have to move around a little bit to, to hit it on the nose. And right. I feel like, you know, forward facing sonar would be huge for figuring that out. Um, same with the striper fishing for us on structure and different things, just being able to pull up and know exactly where you want to, where you want to present your bait and get that, you know, get that cast or whatever. Um, I think that would be the biggest things that I would probably use it for, but I think that would be awesome. Um, Yeah,
0: yeah, I I agree. I think it would be really, really beneficial and, and bumping into those bigger groups of redfish in the ocean. It could be really, really cool. I mean, that happens. That's, that's a very... Rare thing to happen here, Mm -hmm. but it would be very beneficial for the times that it does. But also, you know, pulling up on a wreck, zooming around, see if you see any cobia suspended above it or uh, anything like that, or grouper out off to the edges of of wrecks, and and the side scan, man, golly, you can pull up to a new piece of bottom nowadays with side scan and learn so much more about it. Like a lot of our stuff here are artificial reefs. It's like, yeah, you you go to these numbers that you can get online, and you idle around with your down scan, and maybe you start to pick up on it, but like the the giant chunk was fifty yards to your right, but you never happen to quite idle over it, right? With that side scan, you can you can learn that whole place so much quicker.
1: As I said, I think it's cool too. Like what little bit I've done with some of the artificial reefs, like just seeing how the waters washed over, or like has moved the bottom as well around. Because like you like you said, the numbers might be off by fifty yards, or those numbers might have been correct, but that part of that you know structure or whatever it is is washed over or not that productive of a spot anymore yeah. as something you know 25 30 feet off to the side that you're never going to see so i
2: think i think that's one of the biggest advantages to, to side imaging um and forward facing would also work but to find that structure because we have a lot of artificial reefs here in the chesapeake and they are never where like the actual reef part is never like in the center of those boxes on your chart right right, right. it's and I've learned before, since before I had side imaging, I was like, oh, there's nothing here. This is crap. But, you know, with side imaging, you're like, wow, I really was missing out on a lot. Right. And It, it shows you how small your scope water.
0: is on your down scan.
2: Right. And even in shallow water, like last night, Drew and I actually went out on a little bit of a scouting trip and um, I found a lot of on, um, you know, Google Earth, found a lot of really nice looking fishing areas. And last night we were out looking at some new spots, and what I do? I, I pull up, turn broadside, and say, all right, that rock pile's 50 feet away. We're safe. You know, and you can work yourself in that way. And I think forward-facing sonar would be not only a huge advantage, but safety too. Mm-hmm. And you oh, know what gosh. you're going to run over.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So, and and I mean, not to mention either, like we've talked about, you know your angles that you can view with forward facing, but actually the live reading that it is, and as opposed yeah. to, you know, history. Essentially, when you're looking at down scan, um, how do you feel like that if that helps us in the saltwater world? Because obviously, like you see it in the bass world, where you can see a, a three bass suspended above a brush pile, and you're, you're targeting, you know, solitary fish or schools of fish. How how do y'all feel that the live view will will benefit in the saltwater world?
1: Go ahead, Mike. I to say, I mean, I feel like definitely seeing those reactions would be great. Just knowing if you're hitting on the right thing or not. But, um, I don't know. I never even really thought about it in that sense.
0: I think for me, like, like if you are throwing to a school of fish or, you know, single fish, like if you, if you're getting refusals, if yeah. you have fish that you didn't even know of coming up, looking at your bait and deciding not to eat it, it can be a good time to like change color. That's the one I think of the most.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. I've actually seen this. Um, there's another captain, a bicycle captain, that Ron actually has it on his boat here in the bay, and he, he's posted some awesome videos. Um, and you can we've seen big stripers swimming through bait and then eating his lures as he casts to them. So just like it's used in the bass world where these guys are like, oh, there's a fish on that stick over there, and, and they watch him pull it out, it's the same thing. Yeah, um, is it a huge, huge advantage if you really know how to read your so obviously the orientation of it is a huge advantage, right, that it's forward but if you really know how to read your graph and, and your sonar it's a, to me it's still a little gimmicky because it, it's, you know there's fish there right? Right, right, you know how to read a regular 2D or, or side imaging, you already know there's fish there but it is really cool
0: it is really cool. No, it's super cool. Uh, you know, it's, I think where it shows where it's the most beneficial is when you're targeting maybe solitary fish. Like I can see that there's a yeah. large fish there and I'm watching it and it, and it, you can decide like, all right, I've thrown everything at him. He's still sitting there, you know, 20 feet behind that huge lay down, but I'm just, I'm done with it. Like, you, you know, it gives you that confidence to keep fishing if you need it, because you can tell that that fish is there. But but if it's, like, a big, massive school of fish and it's, like, things are constantly changing and you're catching fish pretty consistently, it's not a huge benefit. But I feel like to, like, dial in, like, like dedicating time to, like, a specific fish or spot, it's beneficial. Does that make sense? Is that even mm-hmm. thinking about yeah, too yeah. much?
2: <laughs> no? Yeah. And, and like you say, you can see the refusal. Or you see if he didn't even... He might not have even seen your lure come across, right? Yeah. If he just never moved so
0: My only real experience with the live view stuff was fishing a bass tournament with my brother and he had it on his bass boat and we were sitting at this outflow of this little tunnel bridge thing. And it was a very small little tunnel that you could just fit one boat through at a time barely. And then there was like a point coming off the one side of it and we were sitting there like fishing that point. There was a lot of spotted bass because there was just a little bit of current coming through that little opening. They were kind of positioned off that point, catching that current. And we could see them come over and eat the jerk bait. I mean, just watch them peel off the point. See the jerk bait, you know, come off their in front of their face, two or three feet, and they just peel off and come over. And then you'd see your jerk bait disappear, and you'd feel a bite. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty nuts. but uh, well, you probably do. So you you typically feel the bite a, l- a little bit before you saw the jerk bait disappear, but both were happening simultaneously, essentially. So,
2: I'm I'm a little nervous of where this is all going it is like, nerve-wracking
0: the, the question of et- ethics comes into play you know
2: mm-hmm. exactly and i know you've been talking about that quite a bit with fishing spots and all that stuff yeah. and it's like when at what, what point you know for me i have to put people on fish every day um sure. and it is it, and, and it's almost already to a point of cheating right yeah oh so, yeah ethics i mean it, it's gonna be It's scary where it can go. Well, that's just the the, downward
0: spiral of like, okay, it is legal to do whatever it might be. It is legal to do and everyone else is doing it. So I don't want to fall behind on, on this. So I'm going to do it too. And so then you find yourself in this rabbit hole and, and I don't think there's, there's much that's too detrimental now, but like, you know, we're silly to think that technology won't progress 10 times further than it is now, you know, look at 30 years ago. So, um, it's, yeah. you know when we were just 30 years ago it was probably still what maybe not 30 but 50 years ago it was the little light up colorful dots you know
2: mm-hmm. well look look five years ago we didn't have live scope
0: right or yeah. or,
2: or live imaging i mean it's, it's really taking off and you know i mean just talking with with all the guys that are in this space they're all they all say everything that's on the market is five, six, seven years old, really, because they've been, they're already, that's how long it took them to really get this stuff to production. So I don't know what they're, what they're working on now, but it's scary.
0: Well, the other scary thing too, that I hear of is like, though there's not enough money right now in the fishing industry to tackle the technology that's already out there, like government wise, like there's, there's stuff out there that, I I right. was I was on a podcast with guys talking about electronics on a bass fishing podcast. I was pretty much just listening, but I could talk and it would be recorded if I if if I did. But um because I didn't have much to tune in because it was just so over my head with electronics, but that was the what that what one of the guys was driving home is like, "Man, like if it, it, it the the cost of some of the technology that's out there just isn't worth the um R and R and the money to dump into putting it out in the fishing world because it's just not enough money there to. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What, I'm, yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
2: they're, they're, they won't make their money back, but right. eventually all that technology will get cheaper as yeah. it's old news, and uh, and and we're going to be putting it on our boats for sure. That's... But I still love going back to like last night. You know, just stand on the bow of the boat. No, no sonar, no technology, and just. Fish structure, fish shoreline. Yeah. You know, or like you guys do. Turn the, you could turn the charcoal water off, pull, pull your skip up the creek and, and fish that way. I mean, to me, that is as pure as it gets.
0: Yeah. It's, it, but, there is something nice about that for sure. The, the lack of it. But then, but then it is really fun to geek out about the stuff like we're talking about too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely <laughs> believe me. I, uh, if I had the money, I would have live skip on my boat right now, but I'm trying to, outfit two boats for this, this year and Oh it's expensive. Uh, I'm just a fishing guy, you know? Right. But if <laughs> exactly. I had them, I would have all that on my boat if I had unlimited funds.
0: Yeah, that would uh that would be awesome to have it'd be awesome to do like a competition with yourself of like all right, I'm gonna go out into two different new areas, not far apart, but two different new areas. I'm gonna fish one day without electronics and I'm gonna fish one day with electronics, you know, and see kind of how they how they pair it up. And obviously there's so many other variables that come into it, but mm-hmm. um The other thing, though, that I actually just completely forgot what it was. I I kept reminding myself while we were talking, but I don't know. What do you think, Mike? What's your kind of opinion on ethics and electronics?
1: Well, I was going to say, I think one of the things that we've really, especially in the bass world, like you're able to fish so many different areas now. Like instead of just beating up the banks or, you know, the edges of the channels or whatever, there's so many more options. So it's not like. I feel like it spreads the pressure out on a fishery a little bit better just because those fish that are, you know, suspended or using different parts of the water that have never really been targetable are now finally getting targeted. But at the same time, a lot of those fish are your big uh, breeders and different stuff like that, that were only receiving pressure during bed fishing time, you know, in the spring or whatever. So does it spread it out some? Yes. But at the same time, does it make it worse overall? Because now those fish are getting targeted all the time versus just, you know, during those small spring select seasons and they're getting left along the rest of the year. So I think about some of the, you know, conservation, I guess, side of things and how those fish are receiving pressure differently throughout the year um, would be the big one I could think of that I can see it creating a downfall, especially fishing, you know, big baits, big trebles, different things like that, and hooking these fish if they end up dying or breaking off or whatever, um, you know, it's just going to put a – it could sp- put some fisheries in probably a hardship yeah. I'm over just, time. I'm just sitting so. here
0: thinking about the progression of things where mm-hmm. used to it was, you know, I'm going to put some big plugs on or some baits with planer boards and just kind of farm the bottom – looking for bites you know like pretty much like mowing a lawn and mm-hmm. now it's like i can roll up and with my three different types of scanning i can locate the exact location of a fish deploy my trolling motor without walking to the front of my boat and spot locking over top of them <laughs> until i catch them <laughs> you know like it's yeah. it's crazy when you look at it from that that standpoint mm-hmm. um, but there's so much it, it does still take so much skill to do all that but not as much freaking skill as it takes to lock in on a fish quietly drop an anchor and slide perfectly into position and catch them you know whether it's vertically or casting out no. um but but uh, no. the trolling motor isn't as much of an issue but it is still a tool that's that's making mm-hmm. us so much better and effective like when you, when you apply all the tools together, together at the same time and you're good at all of them that's when it's really really dangerous i mean yeah. it's good not dangerous in a in a good way i'm not saying like bad for the fishery but
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you can really utilize all the features that your boat has to to offer electronics wise yeah. it's huge
1: I mean, you think about like the old commercial guys that would go out and fly an anchor and set it and have 250 feet of line out and, you know, 80 feet of water, fly an anchor, drive to the spot that they wanted to sit on, let the anchor sink to the bottom, get the perfect drift back and sit right on top of a spot or GPS coordinate. Explain
0: flying an anchor because I feel like a lot of people do know, but some people might not even know how crazy skilled that is.
1: Yeah, okay. So flying an anchor is... Let's say you deploy your anchor in 80 feet of water. You got 240 foot of chain or or rope out. Whenever you go to fly it, you have it. Typically, most guys, they tie it off at the bow, middle of the boat, and then at the stern. And you put a giant poly ball, like one of the two, two and a half foot poly balls on a metal ring. You slide that over your anchor line and you drive straight back at your anchor. And as you're going over the poly ball, adds enough resistance and stays up at the surface so that as you pull that line through the ring that's attached to the poly ball it pulls your anchor vertically up off the bottom and then essentially they call it flying anchor because as you're driving that anchor just sits behind you and is it you know is kept at the surface with that poly ball and the the tension that's on that and keeps it up at the surface so you might hit one spot or one ledge or whatever and then you might want to go two to three miles to the next place so instead of pulling up 240 foot of line and put it all back in the boat just deploy that uh, poly ball on there drive go to your next spot and then instead of like stopping and deploying it you're essentially just driving up current so you know exactly where your mark is you pass over it with your bottom you're going into the current and then you let that anchor drop and drift back until you set that anchor and pull the poly ball back off of your your anchor rope. And then you've got to tie it tied off at two or three different points on the side of your boat. A, for the strength of it as you're flying it. But B, then you can make micro adjustments, you know, up and down. Either let a little more slack out to get right on the spot or pull in a little bit and move up. So it looks yeah. like absolute yeah. chaos when you see somebody yeah. driving with one flying around the back, <laughs> in the back.
2: But what
0: were you going to say? Steve? Yeah, push it,
2: pushing that anchor button on my meter sounds a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, us, no. us uh millennials yeah you know? <laughs> well you know you think about yeah, the technology sure. they had back then and just to do it with a 2d sonar and a, a very very basic loran system you know and being able to hit a spot 30 miles off the beach and the middle of nowhere with no reference points is just pretty amazing to think about where we've come from since then now i lose so.
0: confidence if i'm like more than 10 feet yeah. off of a spot you yeah know? so it's it's pretty yeah. crazy <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that just goes to show you how much those guys actually had to work for fish. And now we, you know, we still work for fish, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a lot easier um, with the tools that we have these days. Yeah, for sure. For
0: sure. Now, here's a question. This might be a good wrap up question because we're 45 minutes, but you got a, you got your dream boat and your dream motors, all that stuff's there. But like what as, besides, your, besides that is the most important piece of technology on your boat for each of us? Like if you, if you could only have one thing, what, you know, that's kind of an unfair thing, but what, besides the motor and the, the hole, what's the most important thing for your style of fishing and what y'all do? Steve, you go I'll first.
2: I'll start. I'll start. Um, and it's tough. It's very tough because I do so much different fishing throughout the year. Like I'll find myself in over a hundred feet of water in the bay and I'll find myself in two feet of water, um, and it's tough. Yeah, I think I think the side imaging, the side imaging, because I, I can't live without it in open water. Yeah, uh, it's it's literally a game changer. Uh, I would say I would catch five percent of the fish that I catch if I didn't have side imaging. Wow, that's and that's crazy. That's, yeah, I would say I would contribute probably ninety percent two-side imaging. Um, but then again, if I was just shallow water fishing, which I do in the spring, in the fall, um, trolling motor. Yeah.
0: Trolling motor huge. It's such a tough one. And I feel like one of the common questions is is like powerful trolling motor. Like, what should I get powerful trolling motor? Uh-huh. Um, but I always tell people trolling motor because you can do both. Now, sometimes you're too shallow to want to spot lock with a trolling motor. You're going to spook fish. But, mm-hmm. um be yeah, the trolling. I mean, I love the. I love Powerpole, and I love their customer service. And I hate to even say it, but I do think <laughs> the trolling motor is is more important, um, or is a better option if you can only have one or the, have other. One or the other. Yeah, but really, They're two on. power poles is.
1: I was about to say it depends on if uh, if you make that a pair, or not on power poles for me does it yeah I mean yeah it's tough because I mean most of the time I I would say trolling motor goes goes over you know or takes the win on that one but there's definitely a lot of scenarios where I'm like man if I had a second power pole and didn't have to spin this way or my trolling motor didn't hold me this way just to make it that much easier to fish a certain direction
0: I just think the quiet approach though it's yeah. so hard to beat that the ability to like sneak especially you know under 12 yeah. feet of water fishing sneak up to a spot you know Mm-hmm. So
2: So I had, I had a life changing experience about a week and a half ago um, where I was using my trolling motor. We were trout fishing and cruising the shallows three, we're talking three foot of water and this is a 28 foot boat. Okay. I can't hide. There's nothing, nothing quiet about that. Um, And I mean, I had big stripers swimming around my boat, like, like it was nothing with the trolling motor running. So it kind of changed my mind a little bit about, you know, are they really that scared of it? How mm-hmm. spooky are those fish really? Now those fish are probably spawning or about to be spawning and, you know, their heads aren't right. But I think, I think the trolling motor doesn't spook fish as much as you think.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think initially it doesn't. Like I think that they're, right. they're, pretty, you know, we, I mean, we've caught redfish in a foot of water, five feet from the trolling motor, you know, sight cast yeah. at five feet and they smoke it. But I think they, they learn, they put it together. Mm-hmm. And I just know that I know that for at least for redfish because of fish that spend, you know, let's say four or five months, sometimes in the exact same area, a big school of fish. And you know, at first you control motor on top of them and get them to eat top waters, and then it's like they hear the trolling motor nick the bottom once, and they they hump up and go three hundred yards. Yeah. So it's you guys,
2: you guys definitely have those redfish are a whole different animal when it comes to that because <laughs> they are they're territorial, they're there, right? They're smart for sure. Our stripes are moving around so much, or well, the big migratory strikers—they probably some of them probably have never even seen a trolling motor yeah, because maybe, the guy. The guys up north don't use trolling motors to fish for them very often. So, um, yeah, I think I think those fish, fish are learning down there probably. Yeah. And there's really not a lot of guys that – it surprises me. There's not a lot of guys in the Chesapeake here that fish, you know, shorelines and really work shorelines with the trolling motor. Yeah. Um, it's crazy how like- it can shift
0: because it's like – you would never see that down here because of the lack of confidence. Like, you can catch fish all over the river channel edges and whatnot. But, like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy how a culture of fishermen grow up in one area really knowing and understanding how to fish deep, which you see a lot of people up north. Doing that, and and it's and it's not because fish don't even like Virginia. Like in Virginia, people, some people are fishing vertically like that. They don't realize that the fish are also shallow in a lot of areas, and vice mm-hmm. versa. Like you get down to Florida, where you can see the shallow flats and everything. Everyone's fishing really shallow for fish, but they don't realize that those tarpon and snook and permit are also uh, deep water fish as well. You know, no. so it's yeah. it's it's kind of like where you it's it, it, it's just kind of a, like any type of cultural way of growing up. It's like, you just kind of stick with what the norm is or what a lot of people do. Not to say that, Confidence is in. yeah, not to say that, you know, the shallow water fishing here is probably more effective and vice versa for you, Steve. It's like, yeah, the, there's more fish deep and that's why we spend more time there. But like, there is that kind of like culture, at least in like your generic, like weekend warrior, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, they all follow, you know, what the head boats are doing or, you know, cause that's the only way you could catch fish. Right. But right. I, if I leave, you know, we leave this podcast with, with me saying anything is, I hope everyone learned a little bit about electronics, but thinking outside the box has been the biggest thing for me as far as success. And I have found the most epic stuff that I don't know, you know, there's probably somebody else out there who knows about it or some old guy that's been doing it for 50 years. But right. I found the cool, I've always found the coolest stuff by like, just thinking outside the box for sure. And going against the grain or, you know, going shallow when everybody else is deep.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, Definitely. Uh, Those are the things you, you really
0: want to find too. The things that other people don't already know about. No. You know, yeah. <laughs> because it's, then you have it yourself
2: to bring it full circle is with, with quality electronics, you can really effectively do all that stuff and really search and, hunt so and true. scout.
0: That's that's a good that's a really good word because I, I would agree with a lot of our stuff down here that that we've done and also like I, I drive this home a lot but the network and 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 having the confidence to to look outside the box like when you've got a few other people you're sharing intel with you know it's not as like I can I can sacrifice an hour of my day of scouting to go look at something a little different because there's mm-hmm. also Mike's gonna scout this week too and so is Jeff and Cameron and so you know you can you can learn and and push yourself to be a little bit more. Adventurous, if you will, in your in your scouting.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, and you never know what you might run across. For sure, I mean, I've seen seen stuff I would never dream of. I've sent you a video of that. Yeah, that you know, if I wasn't just randomly poking around, I would have never known. Right. If I was doing what the norm is, I certainly would never know. And no.
0: and honestly, like from my early fishing career. Even or not, not I wouldn't say my guiding career, but some uh, in a sense, yes, but like my early on fishing, like Spanish mackerel fishing as a kid off the beach, like I was looking for the mass of boats, like where's everybody? what's everybody doing like and and gravitating towards that because it seemed like that was the safe call but but as I've fished more and more, I've learned that just because people aren't looking there doesn't mean it's not epic. like I feel like we're also nervous to go go look at something that we're not hundred percent positive is going to play out. So mm-hmm. it, it's a huge, it's a huge piece of that. And I'm not saying that I've got that down by any means. I'm such a, still such a victim of like getting sucked into the routine, but, but making yourself go and check somewhere new, put it in at a ramp. You've never put it in on a Saturday and go pull something that's different than what you generically pull or go jig, you know, structure that does, or I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like push yourself mm-hmm. to do something new. We've, I mean, I'm, I know, I'm,
2: I know exactly I'm, what you're saying. And, I did a lot this winter, and I learned a lot, and I had clients. It's a hard, It's a really hard thing to do with clients on the boat, right? For sure. But you have to have – I mean, I have that talk with you know guys that fish with me often, and I did it – I remember it this year. This winter, I said, I've got a hunch. The guys got on the boat. I said, we can go do what we did last week or all week, but I've got a hunch that these big stripers are going to be somewhere else. And if it works, it's going to be epic. If it doesn't work, it's, you know, we lost an hour or two. And the guys were, were down. Yeah, They're like, if you think it it might happen, let's go. We had the best day and as far as number-wise and just epic fish catching um, that day uh, that we had all year, That's all awesome. winter. So if you are, I mean, it, it really is. Be adventurous. You never know what you might find.
0: That's very true. It's a good life lesson, even. hmm But yeah. uh yeah. Well, might
2: get me in trouble.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a good inspirational moment to kind of end the podcast with. But um, yeah, just encouragement to you know, and that can even look like, you know, go out and try to use your electronics more, you know. Mm-hmm. At least flip them on while you're idling around. Like I always do that too. Like if we're family boating and cruising to the sandbar or like hanging out. And idling around marinas. I'm like flipping the side scan. On, I'm staring at the screen the whole time, <laughs> just kind of trying to learn stuff from it. You always be looking with your eyes, you know, w- when you can see shallow and always be looking with your, you know, your down scan, your side scan when you're deep. Like I'm never running in the ocean without my down scan on. Like I always mm-hmm. have it on for, you know, I'm not going to pick yeah. up fish, but ledges and structure, you can run over something and with stuff. Now you can scroll back and click exactly on that ledge and it'll drop a waypoint right on your graph, you know, on, on the majority of the newer units. So there there's never waste a moment on the water to learn is really the kind of the, the the gist, if you will.
2: Yeah. My, my screens fire up before my engines do. So I don't, I don't think my boat knows how to to run without (laughs) every sonar I have.
0: (laughs) That's epic. Well, guys, thank y'all for joining me on the podcast, uh, on our podcast. Really. We're all, we're like, we're, we're the most common, you're the most common guest, and Mike's the most common second or uh, co-host so um you know we're uh, we're excited we're going to be getting up there and doing some big red fishing with you this summer or early yeah early was it june or july or i can't even remember when it was was it august
2: uh july i think we're going in july
0: july sweet so we're going to go up and film hang out uh that'll be coming out this summer but uh man we're stoked to uh stoked to get up there but until then hope you're doing good and uh thanks for listening to the podcast everybody we will see y'all next week If you're anything like me, you like a clean boat. That's why I've chosen to partner with Carolina First Mate out of South Carolina. Carolina First Mate is a family-owned business that provides environmentally friendly boat cleaning alternatives. My two favorite products are their hole cleaner that doesn't harm your trailer and their boat wash. Be sure to use code EC15 for 15% off your online purchase. If you're interested in checking out all their products, you can find a link to their website in the podcast show notes.